How about the New York Islanders, baby? Welcome back to Skates at the Stakes, episode 84. The biggest win of the season, the biggest game of the season. The boys showed up, kicked the shit out of the Buffalo Sabres, and I cannot wait to get into it. I'm probably not going to be talking too much. My voice is absolutely shot. I was at the game, one of my favorite games of all time. Hudson Fashing Masterclass. What a game, what a win. Boys, 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 how we doing, Ryan? Let me kick it off to you. What a win. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Skates on the Stakes here. Uh, Islanders had just a big, massive week. Uh, we're going to record after the Sabres game here tonight. Uh, they won against Detroit on Saturday. A nice little matinee uh, for your New York Islanders. Team looks awesome. Nothing but good vibes here. I mean, the, the math finally likes us. Long Island is winning the war against arithmetic, folks. We're doing very well right now. Uh, everyone this team has stepped up. We went through an injury crisis with Peugeot and Barzal. Two centers short. He had to watch Otto Koivula in the lineup every night. But they persevere. Five, one, and one in the last seven. Team looks great. Very happy with everything right now. And, uh, you know, let's go Islanders, folks. Jake, how you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Arguably the biggest game in the UBS era so far. And the boys stepped up and performed as they've been doing for the past 10-ish games or however long Matthew Barzell has been out. Huge win, four-point swing. Sabres lost yesterday in regulation as well, so this was huge. Um, and even the game against Detroit really just knocks them out as well and helps us out as well. So it's been a really good couple of days, and uh, it's going to be a good week for us Islander fans. So uh, we got to kick kick it off with the ESPN broadcast. I couldn't see it, obviously, but it's been taking over Isles Twitter. People are complaining because P.K. Subban and Ryan Callahan are known losers. Like, they've been their entire lives. Ryan, what happened? Yeah, so basically, um, we'll, we'll start with ESPN. All Islanders fans now, we prefer our beloved uh, Brendan and Butchie on the MSG network. But uh, we were slated tonight with ESPN, and we actually got a pretty good broadcast. I was very happy with the actual call on ESPN uh, during the game. But they cut to the intermission period, and uh, there was like a cutaway line where it was like, can't wait to see what Mark Messier and P.K. Subban thought of that period. Um, so that cutaway line had me kind of quaking in my boots, so I stepped away. I made a bag of chi- or got a bag of chips ready to go. Sat down on my couch and watched PK Subban and Mark Messier pretend to sleep for a good two minutes. And then they did a bit where they were talking about how the Islanders put other teams to sleep. And this is a boring hockey game, zero zero after w- one period. I said the majority of hockey games, maybe like forty percent, fifty percent, something like that, and zero zero after the first period. So it wasn't like a game changing thing. But uh, you know, they have to get their Twitter engagement and their likes and their retweets to their clips. But man, you really have to think about how ESPN's marketing their product right now. So the other day on first take, Stephen A. Smith uh, when he was told by, I think that was Michael Kay at the moment, yep. uh, that the Rangers have a good chance at winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, Stephen A. Smith was like, that doesn't count. No one cares about hockey. Um, and then uh, ESPN's hockey broadcast, the one that's supposed to be geared towards hockey fans, decided to uh, kind of ostracize 50% of the people watching by saying the uh, Islanders put them to sleep uh, in a game that was like eight to seven shots. It, it wasn't the most low event hockey I've ever seen. I think we even got an expected goal scored in the first period, so whoopee there. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a little frustrating watching the broadcast. And then everyone did the Isles bad discourse on Twitter. Jake, what did, what did you think in real time yeah i mean just it, just pathetic um the whole sleeping meme that pk posted it's just the same old lazy narrative that's been going on for a couple years now and it really just is so such a it, it's a lazy narrative and it was frustrating to listen to i will say the broadcast itself um with mike monaco and dominic moore and i'm forgetting the female's name pretty sure it's a long name um I thought like it was a, it was a good call like I enjoyed that aspect of it, um, but the intermission with Callahan and Subban and even Levy saying they were cutting away to like other games highlights like oh uh, here's a game that's not boring I'm like it's just it's so frustrating and uh, Brendan Burke dunked on both of them saying I make it sound exciting and maybe the opponents are boring which you know fair enough um, yeah it's just a lazy narrative and and it's frustrating to listen to every every time and. I mean, just uh, just absolute loser behavior. 
this isn't uh, too fair of a comparable because Colorado's played four less games than us, and they probably smashed this tonight. But Colorado has 195 goals on the season. We have 191. Uh, if you look at other teams that the league likes to hype up, Detroit has 188 goals. Um, and there's this fun, exciting team. The Minnesota Wild, one of the more fun teams in the NHL, 182 goals. Ah. I'm just going through the league standings. And, no. uh, you know, the Islanders aren't this, like, super boring team that they're known as. That's that's a bad take on the Wild. They're known to be a boring team as well. I mean, but they market their stars. They market Kaprizov as this high goal scoring guy, Boldy, like that they're this fun ish hockey team. I know, like, real, like, if you've been watching this season, you know that the Wild are more of a defensive team, but, like, the way the NHL would market them, they'd be like, oh, Kaprizov, Kaprizov's so awesome. Oh, this Boldy kid's amazing. Or, uh, you know, Colorado, Nate McKinnon's putting up five or six points every night. But, like, you know, goal scoring wise, it's not, like, crazy different this year. The Islanders have been putting the puck in the net. Well, to be fair to Kaprizov, he's definitely over a point per game, and he's one of the best wingers in the league. I don't really see Boldy getting the hype. I see him getting some hype, but not like, oh my god, it's Matt Boldy hype. You know, he's not at that level. He's not at Matty Beneers level. He's not going to Calder. Colorado, it's Colorado. They're always going to the praise. They just won the cup last year, and they've been very injured this year. McKinnon's faced one or two injuries. McCarr's been out for a long period of time. He just came back again, thankfully. Lenskog hasn't played. You got to give them a bit of a break. Uh, plus, they just won the cup last year, and they have a worse team from last year. And the Wild are definitely a boring, uh, quote-unquote, boring team. I like boring hockey, and to give... I don't want to give them credit. The Islanders have been playing a more boring hockey recently. The last seven or eight games, it's been a lot more Barry Trotz-level tight-knit hockey rather than this open uh, open play, run-and-gun style that wasn't working and we were losing every game with. They're playing better defense, they're giving more of an effort, they're battling harder, and they're winning hockey games. So who cares? I don't care what people say. Just get two points and I'm happy. I was so happy tonight. They played so well. They defended the game perfectly. They controlled the game. They were awesome. I don't care what P.K. Subban has to say. I don't care what scumbag Ranger Ryan Callahan has to say. I just don't care. Just win the hockey game. That's all we care about here on Long Island. We don't care what the media says. We never have and we never really will. Like, we'll make fun of them, sure, but I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not going to go to bed crying, oh, P.K. Subban thinks the Islanders are boring. I don't care. They, they won the game. I'm happy. They played well. Yeah, that's fine. My point was more just it's it's very small differences between them and the other way teams get marketed. And, you know, they have a 40-goal scorer in the lineup. Focus on that. Like, oh, is Bo Horvath going to explode? It, it was just a really stark comparison because I know Buffalo is a goals team. They're not a defense team. But, uh, you know, just the way that they were getting compared to the Islanders tonight was a little frustrating. But, you know, we came through. Big game. Big game. But, like, that's what makes the Islanders the Islanders. And we can kind of get into the Buffalo game now. Just a great performance by the role players. You know, it, everyone did their job top to bottom, but guys I'd like to highlight here, Casey Zika's had an awesome night. Just two-way excellence from Zika. I've always thought he could play 3C if he wasn't lugging around Martin and Clutterbuck all the time. And tonight he only had to lug around Martin, but he played with fashing, someone more speed, and we'll get into Hudson in a second. Uh, but he looked great, just carrying like a guy you can skate with him and playing with him really well tonight. Alexander Romanov was really good offensively surprisingly he was getting the puck on the net and defensively he was sound i mean you know we we dominated them by the deserved to winometer which is basically just showing who shot the puck more but um yeah we, we shot we outshot them they only had like 24 shots by the end of the game sorokin was fine couple like you know fluky puck luck goals but aside from that not too much to compare complain about the defense i know pelic and horvat kind of flopped on one play that let a goal in uh but besides that like romanov was great tonight pulak was pretty good and then on top of those two uh the star of the show hudson fashion jake i'll let you sing his praises yeah if this guy isn't extended um i would be very upset a goal and an assist today, but that really doesn't tell the whole story. I mean, he was just everywhere tonight. Same with Casey Zizekas, but um, you can tell this meant a lot for fashing. Obviously, his first career uh, game-winning goal, and to do it against a team that drafted him, uh, he missed the last game. So this was the revenge game, and of course, he scored. And um, very nice pass to Zizekas in the first goal. Um, a lot of controversy, especially by that loser, Mike Harrington, saying that it shouldn't be a goal. Um, I don't know if people know this. You legally cannot kick if it hits your shin. So that's why it was a goal. It was a great goal, game-winning goal. Um, I'm so happy for Fash. She's been playing really well the past few weeks and really just overall all year. 
Um, so I really want him to get extended. And again, Romanov stepped up um, very well today. Um, two assists for him. Um, really showing his two-way game recently. And um, Casey Zizekas, I, I thought he was all over the ice tonight. Obviously got that goal. And even Josh Bailey with a 2.9 as well. So uh, um, really, really good day for the um, for those uh, bottom sixers. Um, really stepping up today. Yeah, Josh Bailey's game was crazy tonight. He only played like 11 minutes, 38 seconds. I'm checking now. Um, you know, hit an empty netter, but also got an assist. I think on the, was that the fashion goal or the Sezikis goal? I think it was the Zeker goal. Um, let me check quick. But like, you know, just, just fun, you know, respect Josh Bailey forever and always. Uh, a lot of people aren't respecting Josh Bailey as much lately, but uh Hit that, you know, once Lane threw that line together, it was kind of a blender thing, throwing Zizekas, Fashing, and Bailey out there. Originally, I think the plan was to have Martz on that third line. But when the game got serious, Bailey took some of Martin's minutes. And, you know, he thrived. And that's kind of why he's become big game Bales, and he's going to be a folk hero on Long Island forever. Love him or hate him, he's a staple of this franchise. And if you think back on the history of the New York Islanders, there's the Al Arbor era, the Mike Milbury era, and then the Josh Bailey era, because that's basically all the years of the franchise kind of summed up into one from, uh, you know, the beginning of the franchise in 72 to uh, bouncing back uh, to the 90s to when Josh Bailey got drafted kind of right after Milbury got fired to the present. So really three, you can tell the history of the franchise with three guys. Great to see Bailey get on the score sheet, big game Bales. I don't know if he's going to still be in the lineup when Pajel and Barzal are back. I really don't think he'll cut it. But if that's like Josh Bailey's swan song here as an Islander in his last big moment, crazy big game to get it in. Yeah, right on. I thought Bailey was awesome tonight. Limited minutes, yes. We also have to speak about another guy that had limited minutes and Otto Koivula. What do he have, three minutes and 40 seconds? Four minutes and 30 seconds for Big Otto. Please, it's time to go, Blood. I get it. They're not going to play him <laughs> in big moment game, in, you know, the biggest game of the season. I'm happy about that. I thought Lane controlled the bench perfectly tonight. I liked, in a sense, how he didn't play Engvall too much in the third period. Play the guys that got you here. Play the guys that know the system. Play the guys that know everything about the other guys in your court. Engvall doesn't yeah, know that so stuff yet. Sounds. I agree with that. Jake, I actually want to kick this to you because was there an exact moment where it looked like Engvall looked bad? Because in the first period, I was very sold on his play. Like he was making a lot of, you know, poke checks, winning pucks. I, I thought he looked pretty good in the first. This was, um, we'll get into the Detroit game in a little bit, but like this was my first time sitting down and actually focusing on Engvall's game. Um, and he looked fine. Was there, was there something specific that got him benched or was that just Lane trusting his guys? I think uh, I think Gross asked about this in the in the post game presser, and they're saying they want him to get adjusted to the system, and they he chose other guys to play over him that are used to the system. And like I didn't like notice um, any like mishaps or like mistakes for him at all. I know he had one good chance and he shot it, um, that was stopped. But um, hopefully Lane's like right, and that was the reason. I thought he was injured, but. Um, he's healthy and he's just getting adjusted to the system. And apparently, um, this must have changed because I didn't notice this before. Otto Koivo got an assist on the Hudson Fashion goal. So he actually got a point tonight in the four minutes that he played. Shit, blood finally scored. Um, that's awesome. Uh, good, good for good for Otto. I started typing in Otto Koivola to see if that was his first NHL point. I typed in Otto Carius after the Liverpool goalie. So let me type in Otto Koivola just to double check. He, he's probably had a point by now, right? Nope. First, uh, no, he had uh, two points last year when he was called up for the COVID stint, but second point of the season tonight for Otto. So shouts to Otto. It's been a good run. Hopefully Pajot's back for the Pittsburgh game going forward, but shouts to Otto, man. He, he, was, he wasn't great, but he wasn't good either. <laughs> not, not much really to say about Otto. Um, Jake, you excited not have to watch Otto ball anymore? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to look bad in four minutes. Um, but in previous games, he's looked pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Um, so, you know, it'll be good to get Pajot back. But, you know, you don't want to rush him. Um, if he's ready to play Thursday, play him. Um, that should help a lot. But uh, if he's not ready, you know, by all means, don't, don't rush him because clearly the boys don't, um, you know, to persevere without those guys. They definitely haven't rushed him because he was day-to-day -day for, what's it, a month and a half now? 
So. Yeah, about a month. The, the the thing to say there was he wasn't even skating, so I think that was kind of the big thing. Like it, it must have been something at least serious, or you know, to the point of they where they were thinking, hey, um, you know, let's not rush this guy back and risk losing a game when we can get four minutes out of Otto. I I don't really know the thought process there, but hopefully, hopefully he's at a hundred percent when he comes comes back the place was buzzing tonight aj you want to tell us a little bit about the environment in the arena tonight yeah it was awesome before i do that i do want to talk about pierre engvall i thought he looked good and it was everything i expected out of him he could have really finished some checks got the place going he did not i wasn't shocked that it's pierre engvall good player we'll see what he can do i'm happy with the player so far but back to your question the arena i as you can probably tell by my voice it doesn't sound great right now I was screaming my entire head off the entire game, per usual, but I was doing what I could. Everyone, a lot of people were getting involved. It was pretty loud. The third period, it was loud, loud, though. It erupted. It was fun. I had a great time. Uh, the fans got really into it. I was happy. I thought they did a pretty good job. I don't know how you guys heard it over TV, but it was funny. I was sitting next to this uh, younger girl, probably like maybe six or seven, and she was doing TikTok dances during the uh, last two minutes of the game, and I'm like, holy shit. She's, like, doing the Macarena in front of my face while I'm trying to, like, hold on to my ass cheeks when they had the empty net. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so so hysterical right now. Yeah, so it, it was a really good night coming through on the TV. UB, UBS sounded like the Collie tonight, at least on TV, you know, passionate island fans. And I think that's why ownership's so committed right now to getting to the playoffs, that they're willing to pay a massive Bo Horvat deal or whatever Pierre Engvall's extension might be, which, you know, it might be $4 million a year. They might have. I'm starting to think with Engvall that they're going to do the – they meant to get McKay of last summer, and they're just going to, like, go pay another Leafs bottom sixer to, you know, play around the lineup, which – Totally fine by me. I've liked Pierre's game thus far. I, nothing really negative to say about him tonight. Um, besides him getting benched for really no reason. He's the lowest Islander on money puck right now. But I thought he looked fine. Maybe, maybe there was something on that goal against that we didn't see that kind of contributed to that. But he was winning the puck up ice, so I'm, I'm not going to complain about Pierre. Horvat probably deserved a goal tonight. He looked really good, um, as always, kind of at this point. On the one bad defensive play, that was whatever. But Horvat got two breakaways. You know, you can't really give that guy two breakaways because he's probably converting one. But his team picked him up tonight, so that was cool. Uh, before we hop into the Detroit game, any final thoughts on tonight, Jake? Yeah, that's that should be it. I mean, just an an unreal performance, an unreal game um, from everyone, pretty much. And we move on to Thursday and another pretty big one. And of course, the state of Ohio can never do anything right as they blew a four nothing lead uh, to the Penguins and lost. Yeah, that was banana land. I, I was watching the game, 3-0, Blue Jackets, and I, I was getting pretty hyped. I was like, oh, everything's working in the Islanders' favor. Uh, the Panthers also won tonight. But, you know, the it's kind of like the, the race in the East is kind of like shuffling deck tears on the Titanic right now, where there's all these teams we're paying attention to every night, and they can't get out of their own way. Ottawa lost 4 nothing last night. A lot of people are scared about the Super Sens with uh, Jacob Chikrin, but if they keep dropping these games, it's, it's really going to be a next year thing with them I, I don't think it's going to really be this year's concern um but aside from the mighty senators you know buffalo's dropped a couple in a row now they'll probably surge at the end of the season but they both the senators and sabers have like two of the hardest schedules in the league down the stretch pittsburgh goes against nine rangers three times next week so uh you know i'm not gonna say let's go rangers but if you could help us out there uh, little bro uh, i'd appreciate it uh we'll see how those go but even if the rangers wind up losing that and the islanders keep winning we can you know maybe fight our way into the three seat here we've been on a nice run team looks good the next two games against pittsburgh and washington are going to be huge just like you know washington's kind of a feeble mess right now kind of a corpse of the team that used to be the kings beat them pretty good kings team last night um, they're picking up some wins against like the Ducks and stuff, but they don't really move me after gutting their roster. And then the Penguins are weird. I mean, I, I checked today. The Penguins are an older team than us somehow. Um, they're really relying on their old guys to kind of come through here. And honestly, if it was up to me, I'd love to see the Islanders and the Sabres, who even though their fans were kind of babies tonight, make the playoffs. But, you know, it, it's going to be a tough hill to climb for the Sabres here. 
Um, and I no longer like their math, which is a blessing to say, because we are finally up on uh, points percentage, which uh, Jake's pal, Jay Fresh Hockey, beat the drum on. Jake, I, I think you're in agreement here. If someone has to make it, um, if if there has to be an eight seed below us or a seven seed above us, would you rather be Pittsburgh or Buffalo? A couple of things. Um, number one, I, I, I mean, Buffalo being in it um, would be cool. Uh, they end in their drought, and yeah, they're just a fun team to watch offensively. But my God, their fans today, complete, complete babies. It was it, it was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it would be cool for them to be in. Um, yeah, I mean, the fans, <laughs> fucking. Crazy. Yeah. It- it was insane, man. I mean, like, they always say that, uh, you know, the best comedians come from tragic backgrounds. Uh, man, they've had a tragic background, and they are not funny when they lose. They they do not take things lightly. It's very, very serious that this team with bad goaltending and mediocre defense makes the playoffs. Uh, so, well, mediocre defense outside the top two or three guys uh, being Samuelson, uh, Power, and Dolan. I said Samuelson first there, even though he's the worst of the three. But still, like, they'll, they'll be there in years coming, Sabres fans. I don't think any of them probably listen to an Islanders propaganda podcast, but the the good times will come for the Sabres, or maybe not. Maybe maybe they'll be fighting with us, uh, you know, for playoff spots for many years, and this is the birth of a rivalry at Hudson Fashing's uh, left kneecap. But, uh, yeah, that, that's all I have to really say about that. Uh, AJ, if there's another team in the playoffs uh, coming to the end of the year, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Washington, Detroit, and any preference there, just like whoever, don't care. I know you want me to say the the Ottawa Senators so bad right now, Ryan. I just see your smile across my camera, across my laptop. I really don't care. We're not going to face them in the Eastern Conference Finals, obviously. And now Ryan is smiling. Shocker. Obviously, I think the correct answer would be Buffalo. Buffalo's a fun team. They also can't defend for their life. Matias Samuelson is really underrated, by the way. Very good. Very good hockey player. I, I'd go Buffalo. I like Buffalo. You know, like, screw Pittsburgh, obviously. Ottawa's up and coming, but they just lost to Chicago, so I think they're kind of out of the running. I had Detroit's up and coming, but they still have, you know, a lot to prove. I'd probably go Buffalo. Yeah, I think I agree there. Either Ottawa or Buffalo, depending. I think Ottawa's going to be awesome next year, but this year they are who they are. But let's talk about a team that's uh, suddenly fallen out of the race, a team that gave me a heart attack on Saturday afternoon, the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, So the Islanders played the Red Wings. A nice 12.30 start on a Saturday. You know, we, we love games like that, don't we, folks? Uh, but the, this time, kind of earlier in the season, the Red Wings had uh, some rest going into the game where Ottawa or the Islanders flew out to Detroit, kind of midnight flight, had to practice at a second facility, and then go up against the Red Wings, and we lost. It was it was during that Lambert run. They kind of ended that first Lambeau run at the beginning of the season. But uh, they scored early in the game. Dylan Larkin got one uh, in, I think, the end of the first period, maybe the early second uh, second period, yeah. So he got one in the second period, and I was trying to think, like, oh, this is coming crashing down. Like, we're finally playing the good team or kind of teams in the race, and we're not built for it. Uh, it was Engvall's first game, and I was getting a little concerned watching or listening to it on the radio. Uh, but then in the third period, the Islanders came storming back. This is a third-period team, folks, and they got four goals in third period. Captain Clutch, Honors Lee, came up huge. He's all for Isles. He wants to see the Islanders make the playoffs. Kyle Palmieri got a really good goal off. Or, well, it was Dobson with a great great shot and then Palmieri with a nice little tip job I, I think the shot probably could have got through anyway and then a nice little Zach goal mixed in there we love Zach Parise don't we folks best contract in the league uh but yeah no awesome win Islanders again dominated the game money puck and everything um you know Sorokin got the game he was really really good as always I feel like that's kind of we don't talk we I mean I didn't talk about Sorokin tonight because he was really good yeah, but that's kind of what the understanding is with Ilya Sorokin. He didn't have to win that game against Buffalo tonight, and this was another game where he didn't have to win it for us. The defense has played really good. Uh, but since I was only catching games on the radio, and then I caught the third, per- third period on TV, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the Detroit game? Any standout performances? Um... Well, I couldn't watch really either. I had a big situation at work where I could usually watch the game, but this time I could not. So, I'll have to give it over to Jake. All I'm going to say is Undersley, two big goals. Dobson with an absolute fuck you slap shot. I know Palmieri tipped it in, but Dobson, that was a nice slapper. Good to see that back from him. 
and it was a must-win game. Jake, what happened? You were the only one that could actually watch it out of the three of us for a change. Yeah, uh, I would say the first two periods, like, they were playing really well. Um, and I think Helberg was kind of standing on his head a little bit. Uh, they were kind of dominating through there and then took a stupid penalty and, and Larkin scored. Um, Sorokin was fantastic as always. And I, I would say Anders Lee was the standout and a really nice shot on his second goal. I know the first one was a tip-in of uh, Anders Lee fashion. Off fashion, actually. I know fashion shot that one. But uh, goal number 23 and 24 for Anders Lee and goal number 16 for Zach, which I believe is his uh, most as an Islander in the season. I believe his previous high was 15, obviously, last year. And uh, Kyle Palmieri off of that. Uh, fuck you from uh, Noah Dobson. So it was a good game. I would say standouts probably were uh, Anders Lee and definitely Elise Roken. He was uh, very good that game, as always. Absolutely. Yeah, so not really too, too much to say on the Detroit game, but I'm really happy to see this team take care of business. There were months earlier in the season, especially during that kind of winless streak they went through in January, where January was like such a feeble month. It's just so cool having that second captain in the room in Bell Horvat. I mean, he hasn't scored the past two games, but what he was able to do is like when Hudson Fashion got that goal on the ice tonight, the first guy who ran up to him and gave him a hug was Bo Horvat. I thought that was really cool. I mean, I'm not going to stop singing this guy's praises. He chose to stay here for eight years. He'll get going, hopefully against Pittsburgh. He's killed him thus far. Uh, we play our fourth game against Pittsburgh Thursday, as we kind of talked about earlier. So this podcast will be going out before the game. Everyone will kind of know, uh, you know how how we're trending towards Pittsburgh. We're, we're on a roll right now. The Penguins have lost. Or they're kind of back. They made some deadline trades. We'll, we'll get into a little tiny minutia bit of deadline line stuff because we recorded when most of the stuff was going on uh but yeah the penguins are coming or we're going to the penguins to try to complete the season sweep uh 4-0 against the penguins does that bring back any memories anyone uh but yeah so then we play the caps on saturday kings next tuesday we'll try to get one out on saturday uh, or sunday but yeah teams teams looking good feeling good about the boys um you know we play the Sabres one more time. It's a little it's a little embarrassing for the NHL that they're going to have us play the Sabres and the Rangers the same amount of times in the same season. I think that's a, it's a little whack. I think that's a little stupid, but whatever. I'm, I'm just a little annoyed that we don't have this fourth Ranger game coming down the pipeline. Uh, we have another Flyers game. That's great to see. Uh, but we have like a bunch of like, you know, we played these, we played a lot of teams four times this year, but we're not playing the Rangers. Like well, it's, it's just bad scheduling. Um, and I could have appreciated us picking up some points there on the Rangers if we're going to hunt for the three seed, which I've seen Rangers fans on Twitter starting to get a little worried. Uh, if we win our next two, I think it might be time to start worrying in uh, on Broadway. So we'll see about that. But uh, aside from that, um, yeah, so we kind of have some deadline stuff to do. We have some prospect stuff to do. Uh, Jake, would you like to go into your prospect report? Sure thing, buddy. Um, so I found it easier just to kind of go by draft year um, instead of sticking my head. Um, what prospects do we have? So starting in 2018. <clears throat> you brought this guy a lot. Um, uh, Russell Nishikov, still out there in Bridgeport. Doesn't look like he'll be called up this year, but maybe next year in camp uh, he will be called up. Um, four to three points in 52 games. Uh, I don't know if he brought this up. We, I think we did actually last episode, that shootout or the penalty shot goal. Um, really nice, which we, uh, we can use one of those uh, shootout guys because, um, you know, I'm not going to talk about that. Um Obviously, Simon Holmstrom is up here. Sam Bolduke, um, he's racked up some assistance being one back down. <clears throat> he now has 33 points in 50 games, um, much better than the seven points in 60 games that he had last year. Um, obviously, we see how how talented he is. He's definitely bounced back. A uh, guy I personally like and personally would rather him here than Adekoiwa, but Reese Newkirk, um, he's been playing for Bridgeport a little bit. Um, in the ECHL, he's got 33 points in 44 games, and Bridgeport's got three points in nine games. But he seems to have stayed there for now, so maybe next year he can maybe be the fifth center. But obviously, that's wishful thinking. Alex Jeffries, uh, who is uh, still at Merrimack, probably will sign in um, his entry level this summer. 41 points in 34 games was taken in the fourth round in 2020. Um, obviously, William Dufour, uh, he scored a, a few goals last week. I think both of them are on the power play. He's got 19 goals, 18 assists, uh, 37 points in 54 games in your first uh, pro season. Uh, isn't too bad. 
Um, Tristan Lennox signed his entry-level deal, and everyone was freaking out that we were going to trade Barway just because we signed Tristan Lennox. Uh, no, obviously that didn't happen. I know we got a 59 save shout-out a few days ago. Um, struggling a little bit this year, 3.19 goals against an 8.87 save percentage, but um, maybe he'll improve when he gets to Bridgeport. Um, can't tell you that it, that I've seen the Tristan Lennox game. Don't know if it's his defensive spot or not. Don't know his GSAX. Um, so I guess we'll see when he gets to Bridgeport. Um, E2 Lucas, uh, 104 penalty minutes this year. He is um, 6'2", ideal fourth liner. Um, maybe he'll be on the same line as Hudson Fashing in a few years. We'll have to see, but uh, racking up those penalty minutes. And obviously this year's draft, Kyle Adelius, um, only 18 years old, has got 11 points in 42 games, um, plus 12. Uh, obviously was in the World Junior roster, so maybe um, he actually is signed to his ELC, so maybe we'll see him at Richport at the end of this year. Quinn Finley got traded to the Chicago Steel um, a month ago. Um, so far, 19 games, he's got 27 points. Really small, but really, really fast. Isaiah George, um, great year in London so far. 18 points in 45 games. Um, had a highlight goal uh, a few weeks ago, like we said. And last but certainly not least, Matt Maggio, 98 points in 58 games. 47 of them being goals, 51 of them being assists, plus 40. Um, the guy's good, folks. Hopefully we see him in Bridgeport whenever the Windsor season ends, which I believe is in a month or month or so. Um, he is clear of Shane Wright. I should kind of see Shane Wright's stats. 21 points in 12 games. That's, that's pretty good. Um, nonetheless, uh, those are all our baby, baby Isles. My uh, Kraken friend and my Islander friend are just linking up perfectly in the OHL. What can we say? Yep, Jake, love a good prospect report. Really good job with that. Um, you know, I'd like to see Boldu challenge Aho for that defenseman spot. I thought Aho was an expiring, um, the analytic darling. He's the analytics love Sebastian Aho. I I totally, you know, I don't really get it when he's on the ice. Like my eye test isn't aligning with what the analytics are seeing. I saw Dom's model today has him as a 1.7 WAR player. The most valuable defenseman on the New York Islanders is Sebastian Aho, and I don't know what to think about that. I know that model values uh, defense so way more than anything else. Uh, the Bridgeport Islanders are in the hunt for an AHL playoff spot. Just checking now, couple points back. I think. What was it? We we did this last year. Do top five make it or top six in the Atlantic? In the AHL? Yeah, in the division. You're talking to the wrong person here. Yeah, no, I'll I'll, uh, I'll try to do some research. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's top eight. It might be top ten. Um, but we're in the nine seed right now. And we are, you know, two wins back of a playoff spot. So hopefully Maggio gets some playoff minutes, kind of like Ratu did at the end of the last year. So we'll see how that goes. But um, aside from that, you know, prospect pipeline, we're not really concerned about the prospects yet. But it's good to check in and see the future Islanders who are about to come up in the near future. And, hey, we're challenging from the eight seed down in Bridgeport. So good things are happening in the port. I saw they got their backs blown out the other day. That was insane. Uh, they got crushed in one game, and then they won another by, like, eight. So you never know what's going on in Jack, in uh, Brent Thompson's Bridgeport. Um, you know, a lot of goals, unlike uh, his son, Shane, uh, or Tage Thompson tonight. Shane Thompson. Uh, Shane Thompson, that's How right. I was thinking of Shane Pinto off the top of my head. Uh, because we are locked on centers. But now to get into our little bit of trade deadline talk. Uh, we last recorded on Wednesday of last week. Little bit of stuff, some house cleaning we have to do here just to wrap up the deadline. Obviously, the big trade was Jacob Chikrin going to the Ottawa Senators. Good player, um, great player. Uh, the the way the league talked about probably a top 40 defenseman was insane. But, um, yeah, kick her into the Sens. They look really good. They look like a team of the future. I don't think it's going to be quite this year, but maybe next year, Ottawa, you have a really tough schedule coming up. But it's probably good to get these guys in a real playoff push. I know they've heated up the past couple seasons at the end of the year, but we'll see. We'll see how the uh, kind of baby Sens are going to do going forward. But any thoughts on the kick trade? Yeah, as you know, obviously, we've been having a lot of discourse on the Ottawa Senators this week. They're going to be a good team for years to come. Brady Chuck's awesome. Tim Stutzel is probably the most, I don't want to say superstar, but the most underrated superstar in the league right now. 
He's gonna, dude. He's gonna be so good. He's what is he, twenty one, and he has seventy points already, or something stupid like that. No one really gives him the praise he fully deserves because I know he came up around the same time as Jason Robertson and Kirill Kaprizov. Stutz was awesome. He's gonna be great for a long time, and I root for Tim Stutzel a lot. One of the uh, rare German hockey players. I know there's a few now with him, Leon Draisaitl, and Marit Seider, but it's really cool to see a nation starting to like really pick up with their superstars in hockey. So I'm rooting for them, him specifically, not the Senators to make the playoffs, obviously. But I like the Sens a lot. They're a good team, and they're fun, uh, especially now that Ryan Reynolds might be their owner soon. Yeah, Jake's uh, Jake's a big fan of Ryan. Stop Reynolds. it! Stop it, Ryan! I knew you were gonna say that, man. Stop. Wrexham. He loves stop. his Deadpool, man. It's not, it's not even because of Reynolds. You know that. I know. You, speak your truth, buddy. But why do you like Wrexham? I'm a bit, I like Rob McElhinney because he's an always sunny, and, and they're going to get promoted. It's, it's, like, it's like whatever. Yeah. It's like whatever. Maybe I'll watch the documentary. We'll see. I, I got to watch the show eventually. I've, I've heard good things. Ted Lasso is coming back soon, so that's another soccer content I got to hop into. Um, but just a quick trade deadline around the horn. Uh, we acquired Stan D. Pat again. No one on deadline day, but it's totally fine. Just really quick, I want to get deadline grades from the both of you for Lou. Um, so coming in was uh, Pierre Engvall and Bo Horvat. Uh, Bo Horvat with the extension in hand was in the drawer and announced uh, within a week. Um, contrary to the athletic, who thought we were training him in three weeks, I will never forget this. This always makes me very angry. Uh, but aside from that, um, you know, and then outgoing protected first round pick this year. Um, so just to kind of get into that, Vancouver flipped that pick to Detroit. And the assumption out of Vancouver is they expect the Islanders to keep the pick this year. Um, so it will be a 2024 first or no, I think the expectation was the Islanders give the pick this year. So the Islanders give the pick in 2023. So, or give the pick in 2023 when they're picking somewhere in between 16 and 32, hopefully 32. Uh, and you know, uh, next year the Islanders would keep their own first, either Lou go for it again at the deadline or to draft like a prospect if they fall out of the race or something. Who knows? I'm not I'm the least concerned man about first round picks right now. This team's locked in for the next couple of years. We have a good core. Um but trade and but Anthony Beauvillier, uh Mercy Buku, good Vancouver Canuck now on an empty pot calorie team. Atu Radu, who's uh, struggled in the minors. Uh I give Lou personally a A minus on the deadline. I think you could have got one more defenseman. I'm not gonna kill you for it but that was really my only take on Lou's deadline um so AJ I'll let you start here what do you give Lou letter grade wise on the deadline I'll give him an A minus that's what I was going to say as well we got Bo Horvat we got the big fish for the first time in our lives who could really complain I know you put up a meme about Lou standing pat and like oh it's my off day it was funny but uh no I'm not going to disrespect Lou he did a great job he got the guys we needed Angval, we'll see what happens with him. I like the player. Hopefully it works out. We could have used a defenseman, yes, but... And the market was there, to be fair, but they really like Ajo for some reason. And we've kind of seen this before with Adam Pellick in a sense. I don't think Sebastian Ajo will be the next Adam Pellick where it turns from a guy who was pretty much hated by the fan base into a guy being an incredible defenseman. I don't see that this time. Hopefully I'm wrong about that. But I do see what they see in Ajo as he's a good skater. He gets involved in the play, and that's why the analytics love him, because he's able to get the puck out of the zone. Defensively, he can be a disaster class at some times, but he's also playing with a guy that's not helping him. So putting the two guys that can't defend very well together just is kind of eh, all around, kind of yucky. But I see why Ajo gets high marks from the analytics, because they, you know, they base everything on his ability to move the puck and his skating, I would assume. More than fair there on Aho. Jake, what do you give Lou as a deadline grade? Yeah, I'd have to agree with AJ. I think A- minus is very fair if he got a defenseman. Um, probably an A, but I mean, at the end of the day, Bo Horvat, Pierre Engvall, it's a pretty good deadline. Um, definitely better than last year's deadline. Uh, no extensions this year, though. Uh, I was expecting at least one, but uh, I guess it's in the drawer. That's right. Um, so kind of other guys we had our eyes on last podcast, run through them quick, tell me when to stop if there's anything crazy. Uh, Shane Gossett Bear went for a third to the Hurricanes. You know, the Hurricanes always love guys like this. I, I don't have anything crazy to say there on Shane Gossett Bear. Uh, Philip Peronik got traded with Arpic. Um, you know, that 
I think that's a sign that the league thinks we're good, or it could just be the Canucks being stupid. Who knows? Um, you know, Chikrin to Ottawa, obviously. We kind of went into that a couple minutes ago. Nothing really too crazy. Uh, I did want to talk uh, Tyler Bertuzzi to the Bruins. That that was another trade that was big. Uh, but, you know, the Penguins had a deadline <laughs> to dismember. This was a crazy deadline out of Pittsburgh. So first off, they traded to Vegas uh, Teddy Bluger. So Teddy Bluger, who's been a thorn in my side for many years, really good hockey player um, as a third and fourth liner for the Penguins. Uh, you know, just one of those guys that gets on your nerves from playing them so often. What they did with that was they flipped it a uh, second round pick in this year's draft for Mikhail Grenland, who isn't very good at this point. He's like a 30-point guy in a 60-game sample. So see how that turns out for them. And then on top of that, they wind up trading for Dmitry Kulikov, who was a guy that we all had our sights on uh, at the deadline. I really don't know what Pittsburgh's doing here. I think they're going for one last run, but they're, you know, an eight, they're like seven or eight seed. Like, I don't want to sound like the people who damned us for going for it this year, but they, the past four or five years now, this has been first round exit after first round exit. Like, well, what are we doing here? This team isn't going to get hot in the playoffs. Oh, and they traded a third or a fifth round pick for Nick Benino. So that was their deadline day. Bonino, 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 Nick Bonino. Sorry, I had to do yeah. that. Yep, and any thoughts on kind of the Penguins and what they were trying to do there? I know they're our they're, they're number one competition at the moment. They made moves. I know people were clowning them for the, what's it, the uh, Marcus Granlin move. What The only issue I had with it, obviously, was from a non-biased standpoint, was that they have to pay him $5 million for another year when their cap, their cap structure is already bad enough to begin with. And their big thing was Brian Dumerlin being the issue, and he's still going to be playing more likely than not. I know they got Kulikov, but even the graphs and the charts and the math weren't loving uh, Dmitry Kulikov, even though I know we were pretty high on him. They're, they've been saying he's had a, an awful year, but he's also on an awful Ducks team. And I'm not a big plus-minus guy, but he was on the higher side, the better side, should I say, to make it more clear, of the plus-minus in the positive manner for the Ducks, so take that with a grain of salt. I'm not a big plus-minus guy. I know Ryan mentioned there's a true plus-minus stat, I believe. Do you know the exact name of it? I know it's like Yeah, a, just on-ice plus-minus. That okay. just gets rid of, you know, that, you know, power plays, PK, everything. Just kind of all-encompassing plus-minus. Um, or just like five-on-five plus-minus is a better tool to use, even though it's kind of discouraged because I, I think the best way to look at it is, you know, five-on-five relative to your teammates because most of the game is going to be played at five-on-five. But that's pretty much it. Um, we didn't do nine Kingsers last time. I don't really want to do it. He's been mid so far. Um, pretty bad, actually. Just, mid would be a compliment. Mid would be a compliment. Rangers fans have switched their tone real quick on one Patrick Kane, which they got for a bargain, second and fourth, half retained and everything. But, uh, you know, not not great thus far for uh, the nine Kingsers. Uh, Patty Kane on Broadway has been underwhelming thus far, but he's only played two games, so we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the debates go back and forth. I've made some memes, you've made some memes, we've all made some memes regarding Kane and his slow start at the Rangers. I don't want to give him too much praise because he's a scumbag human and fuck the New York Rangers, but he's going to produce at some point. He still has it offensively, I know... His numbers and his charts are bad, but you still he still put up 40-plus points in a bad year. It's Patrick Kane. We know he's going to produce something at some point, but for now, I will sit back, laugh, and say fuck you to the Rangers. That's right. I mean, you know, his his de- his shortcomings have been very apparent thus far, especially on defense, and the Bruins ripped him to shreds uh, a couple times that game on Saturday. He's close to 07. He is uh, 0.0 assist, negative 4. Uh, they're playing the Habs this week. I'm expecting him to get a goal or something or whatever. Who cares? Uh, but aside from that, uh, the other one I want to hit on quick was um, Max Domi. Um, I, I guess we saw Jordan Greenway tonight. We don't really have to get into that second and a fifth, whatever. He's a pretty good player. Um, I was I was high on him. I thought maybe we could have got him. Uh, but then the other guy was Max Domi to the Dallas Stars. You know, top six guy we could have used, but bad vibes kind of out of Domi. Uh, I know we kind of sold ourselves on him last podcast, but just a bad vibes guy. I didn't think Lou would really be in the market for him. And that was kind of a cap dump for Kadobin in a second. But see what happens to Domi. Maybe he'll have free agency in the summer and maybe we can get him here. But 
pretty good player i I, he was really good on saturday for uh in his first game for dallas but see how that goes for the stars i I like them out in the west but we'll see where it goes dallas stunt on stars i mean they lost a heartbreaking game last night to the calgary flames yeah they did sad for my uh, my wallet there but uh yeah I, I think that's it for kind of islanders talk uh and nhl talk nothing too crazy going on hunts on we're chasing the rangers the penguins are kind of trying to chase us they're getting the points but not definitively it's gonna be a really big game on thursday um and saturday against washington we really need to win those caps games we've done our job against the penguins three and now is enough four and now is gravy um, it really helps to win on Thursday, though, to get the clean sweep over the pens, especially in regulation. And then, you know, Washington should be easier for the Islanders, but they always give us fits. So we got to we gotta take care of business against the Caps. But once we've done that, we, we've kind of completed the gauntlet. And we're on the other side. We go to California next week, take a nice West Coast trip where the only hard team we're going to play is the Kings. And we'll see what this team's made of. Hopefully, I mean, Barzal's dad has got changed to day-to-day today on some websites. Don't know if that's a team thing. I feel like the team would have put that out. But I saw that. Uh, Pedro's definitely day-to-day. We'll see where that goes. But, yeah, go Islanders, baby. Any uh, final thoughts, topics, anything before we head out here? Liverpool. Yeah, awesome night. Um, yeah, we got to get into Liverpool real quick. Seven to nothing over Manchester United on Saturday. A day to remember. One of the greatest victories over Man U this club's ever had. Feeling good, feeling back, feeling alive. Uh, Cody Gakpo with two goals. Darwin Nunes with two goals. Mo Salah with two goals. And Bobby Firmino in his retirement tour. Um, I didn't even know if he'd play anymore now that he's going to be leaving um, and going outside of England uh, with a goal. Just absolute domination, demolition. I've been thinking about 7 nothing all week and can't stop smiling. Uh, Jake, how do you feel about the game? Yeah, it's always um, some of the wins are always fun, especially when you can dunk on your old pal Steve. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, just a fantastic game to watch. Um, Yakba was awesome. Obviously, Darwin was awesome. Mo, um, history. Um, Bobby Firmino. And, um, yeah, I mean, just an awesome game. Everyone really pretty much played awesome, which is, you know, to be expected in a 7 nothing win. Um, but Harvey Elliott was very good. Um, Kanate, I can't believe that only costs $36 million to get this guy, man. So good. Um, and Saturday we got Bournemouth, so um, we'll be together for that. 7.30 a.m. masterclass, and uh, should be another easy three points uh, for our pursuit in top four. Yep, feeling good about the race to top four right now. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna make a push. We got one more game against Madrid. If we win seven to nothing, we go through. So that's that's promising. But uh, I, I don't know if that'll happen against Madrid. But you know, you got to beat up on the smaller clubs. And when we get a chance to do that against Manchester United, we got to do it. So big win for the boys. AJ, any thoughts on the game? Yeah. Um, how can you not be happy about it? But I I'm happy about it. I know you said you're still buzzing about it. Nothing could get in my way of my focus for the New York Islanders right now. I was just, this was the most excited I've been and the most nervous I've been for a hockey game. Probably since game uh, seven of the conference finals a few years ago. Like, I've had the energy, like, oh my god, this is a big game for the Capitals game this year. For a few games last year when we started just playing at UBS, like, oh, we can turn the season around now. Dude, the level of excitement I felt tonight just walking the UBS was incredible. I was so happy. I was so excited. And the boys gave up gave a gutsy performance. You gotta give credit where credit's due. They put their ass on the line once again, blocked shots, played great defense, and they won a hockey game. They won a hockey game they needed to win. And I respect that living hell out of every single one of those guys that put on an Islanders here tonight because they all played fucking awesome. There is no weak link tonight that you could even say was bad. Yeah. Team is approaching fully operational Death Star status. I know it like seems crazy when people say, "Oh, this is like the biggest game since Game Seven, biggest game in the UBS uh, era." But like, Muddy Puck put this out earlier. Like the difference in playoff odds if they won a regulation or lost a regulation, it was from like fifty-five percent if they won to like thirty-eight percent if they like. It's a, it was a big deal, and, and obviously the Islanders knew that, and they all came up to play and makes nothing is a lock right now but it makes it a hell of a lot more easier the rest of the way 
Yep. Lane tried to get her offense going early in the season. It worked for a bit. It fell off. Talent wasn't there. Uh, back to a little bit of trot hockey, for better or worse. I know some people complain about it, but, hey, it works. And uh, ESPN did a pretty good bit um, to give their pra- some praise to their coverage, the on-ice stuff, the crew that was working tonight. Um, they had an interview with Lambert before the game, or at least a discussion, where he said, in those trots locker rooms, he was the bad guy. Barry was the good cop. Lane was the bad cop. So that might change our perspective on Lane a little bit. Uh, that quote's going to stick with me for a while. But basically, Lane kind of you know reset the team, kind of back to playing a more defensive system and a little more structure, even though you have Aho and Dobson as a pair, which I don't think Barry Trotz would have ever done. Oh, quick on Barry Trotz. Uh, Barry Trotz accepted the job down in Nashville. Uh, shout to Barry. Think he's going to make a great GM. Predators can own us once a season as long as he gives us one back uh, for the next couple of years. I, you know, root him for Barry down there. Good luck to him. Uh, might take some guys off our staff. I've started to think maybe Mitch Corn goes after the season, but we'll see where it goes. Uh, I know him and Trotz had a really good relationship, but makes me think that that Lou firing with Trotz was kind of a handshake thing. Like, hey, go, uh, go collect some checks for a little bit, and then at the end of the year, you can go take a GM job as long as you're not competing against us. So. Yeah, that that's about it. Um, anything to say on Barry Trotz? I'm happy for him. Uh, like you said, everyone's like, "Oh, they fired Barry Trotz." They wouldn't fire Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz probably—I don't want to start rumors—that probably wasn't ready to go back into coaching and maybe wanted to try something new. That's been reported. I don't know. I'm happy for him if he's happy. He seems to be doing well, obviously, and he wants to get back in the league in a different way. So I'm really happy for Barry. Maybe he could give us. Philip Forsberg for a seventh round pick, but please leave us Mitch Corn. That's all I'm asking. You could take every other assistant coach though. Leave us Corn. That's right. If um if Barry Trotz was in control of the trades that Nashville did at the deadline, he should win. <laughs> he should win the next Jim Gregory Award. Um, just great performance by uh him, and it might might not have been him. So. <laughs> Yeah, Tanner Janot to Tampa Bay Lightning for an entire draft class. That was insane. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's about it from our end. Um, happy with the Isles right now. AJ, do you want to take us out with some plugs, as you always do? Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at me, myself, and I, at DeVito Hockey. You can find Jake on Twitter at Prime Jakey. You can find Ryan on Twitter at Rat Martin. You can find the Twitter, the podcast's Twitter, excuse me, at Skates and Stakes, and you can find us on Instagram at Skates at the Stakes. we got to start using the Instagram. Yes, we say this every time. But thank you guys for listening to episode 83. Let's go, Islanders. We'll see you probably Saturday. Goodbye, everybody.